fell on those times, I went when the Boost Mobile, he passed, Boost Mobile store crash, I mean Boost Mobile store launch, I'm going through depression, lose relationship, lose the Boost Mobile store. Fall on hard times, I went and started working at a warehouse. Wow. Yeah, right? You go from all that to working at a warehouse, that's humbling. I go from... Yo, there's nothing worse, there's, it, it's bad to be down. Mm-hmm. But nothing worse than to go up and then come down. Yo. That's tough. I go from living in a condo in Alpharetta, driving a G-Class Benz truck, AMG, to a 1996 Mercury Cougar, mm. working at a warehouse, living in my sister's house with five kids. At the time, she had five kids in the three-bedroom, four-bedroom. I I made it uncomfortable. Yeah. I made the living uncomfortable. Yeah. I didn't even have a bedroom set. I had an air bed. The Mercury Cougar, the door didn't open from the inside. I had to open it from the outside. Mm. Listen to me. That's when I said, and I knew it looking back. <laughs> Yo, you finna get the bar. I've never, I was going through depression and didn't know it. You know how I found out? I'm working at a warehouse and I go, <clears throat> why am I here? Once again, I'm poor hustling. I wanted to, they were gonna fire me. I needed to make it to Christmas because we get Christmas bonus. It's like a $2,000 check, right? I said, how do I do it? Thinking, I go, and I call. I know the next day they're gonna fire me. So I call psychiatric uh, hospitals to have insurance and say, I'm thinking about hurting somebody. They go, are you thinking about hurting yourself? I go, no, I'm thinking about hurting my manager. So they go, okay, let's cut me in for a psych evaluation. I go, what happened? I go, yo, listen, I'm just randomly crying, having outbreaks, real emotional, and it's just like, I don't know why it's always him as a person, like when I'm dreaming, it's him that I'm seeing on myself punching and like physically attacking. I don't know what it is. It was like, well, what kind of hours are you working? I'm working 60 hours a week, boom, boom, boom. She take me off work that day. They were gonna fire me that night. Mm. But I've talked myself so much into this story to get out of work. They made me go to counseling. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> in counseling, I find my depression. Wow. Of what I was going through, where I was at, mind state, what I didn't deal with. What did you find out about yourself through counseling? Through the traumas that I was living through, I've never dealt with them. I was uncomfortable even talking about my best friend. Like, I've made it to where it didn't exist. So, they taught me, and I remember she was like giving me different exercises, and she had to make me comfortable even speaking and acknowledging what happened, things that happened. It's okay. It's part of life. That I had to cope with that, with the fact that 
that relationship I had is gone. So after that. She had to deal with it head on. Boom. So then I realized, it took me a little while, I went back. And um, when I went back to that job, kicked in and said, why are you even here? I got the bonus. Mm-hmm. Got the Christmas right, card. I came right. back a week before. Right. I got the bonus, right? <laughs> Listen, they were upset, right? Shout out to ABW out there in Kennesaw. Yeah, I got the check, right? Um, I went and I said, why am I even here? I went to apply for Wells Fargo. I became a personal banker. Guys, from warehouse, personal banker. Got back in my suit. Got it. <laughs> right, right. So, back to the old you. So I got back in my suit. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I got back in the suit. Um, and that's when I started learning banking products. I started learning that people couldn't get approved for business loans. They couldn't get approved for loans at all. Like the, the ratio for people who get loans. Mm-hmm. I was giving loans to people who I would look and they would have like, a $2 million mortgage. What? Yeah, they will have a $2 million mortgage. They can come and get a loan. Oh, you got a, oh, you got 200000 Yeah, nah, you can't get nothing. Hold on, a $2 million mortgage? Yeah, no, listen, I was working in Roswell, Wells Fargo, right? People will come in, they have $2 million mortgages. They will be able to come in and go, Looking for a personal loan. They can come and get the person in the store money with president's faces on it. When gas prices went up, we squalled and threw a fit. They go from $2 or $3 to $5. We had a fit. People were acting like the entire world was in meltdown because when they paid for their gas with president's faces, they knew that gas prices had gone up. Here's what's interesting. When gas prices go up now, you and me, we pay at the pump, don't we? I pay with a debit card. Some of you pay with a credit card. And when gas prices go up, you don't think much about it. Because it's kind of like Monopoly money. It's a digit. You're not even pulling the receipt off the thing. I know, because when I pull up there, your stupid receipt's still hanging there. So you have no idea what your last tank of gas cost. You can't tell me. And the reason you can't tell me is it created no pain for you inside your brain. Pain is associated with memory. If you create a pain around something, you will have a memory of it. When you know, when you buy something that you saved up for and you pay cash for it, you can tell me to the penny what you paid for it because it registers in your psyche. The research shows the more money you make, the more credit card debt you have. Because the sloppier you get and the more you buy into these stupid rationalizations where you 
are not experiencing any emotional friction. MIT did a study that showed that the pain centers of the brain are activated when you release cash that is yours to purchase something. When you spend cash, it activates the pain centers of the brain. When you buy the exact same item with the exact same amount of money with a credit card, nothing happens in the brain. No pain center activation. No brain, but no pain center activation. Which means you're simply not registering the spending. There's no emotional friction. There's no intellectual friction. Nothing is acknowledged. And you spend more. You really do. And to argue with that is ludicrous because that means you have pride about your level of discipline, which is absolute horse crap. I teach discipline for a living. It's what I do. I have taught this for 30 years, and I can fall in this trap of spending more because I'm using plastic. I mean, we're on a Disney cruise, and your room key buys everything. Took the grandbabies on the Disney cruise, right? And before I know it, we're just buying Mickey this and Mickey that. And I get the bill at the end of the cruise, and I'm going, well, we got Mickey Moused. Unbelievable, man. There was no acknowledgement that this money was leaving by Papa Dave or by the precious overspending grandbabies. I'll do it again. It's wonderful. I can afford it. But when you're broke and you rationalize, you have no net worth, your net worth is $4, and you have no income or limited income, you have a lot of debt, you're misbehaving with money, and then you come off as prideful and arrogant about how you can handle your credit cards because you pay them off every month when 78% don't, and even those that do overspend, especially those of you with airline miles. It's the biggest scam in freaking history. It's the credit, it's the cigarette of the financial world. It used to be cool, and people are going to acknowledge that it kills you. They're going to quit doing it. If we have a proven plan to teach you how to get out of debt, go to DaveRamsey.com slash FPU. Learn about Financial Peace University. Start your journey to being debt-free. No more credit cards. No more debt. It's time to change. What you're doing isn't working. Anything. And that's why you gotta wait for the trial. You gotta wait to see Melly's defense. And we'll see what happens. Does. But if you get through discovery and say, there's only evidence in support of this version of the story. There is no evidence in support of the other version. Then you move for summary judgment. You say, I don't need a trial. I win right now on the facts and the law. And the court can resolve it without there being a jury. 
The vast majority of cases are not resolved by trials, even though that's what is visualized in the popular media. That's less than 2% of the cases are resolved in the federal system through trial. Most are resolved on pre-trial, what most people call technicalities, but the things that we've been describing, as you're going to see, especially as attorneys, are not technicalities. They're not technicalities if you're the defense lawyer. It's the way you can win for your client without getting into the merits. And you may not want to get into the merits if you have a client who did what they're being alleged of doing. But using all these procedural maneuvers is the main mechanism that defense attorneys use to dispose of cases. And it's very effective because plaintiffs, lawyers, make mistakes. So if you're going to be a plaintiff's lawyer, you need to master these things so you're not making those mistakes. You get it right to the right place so your defense attorney is not going to have any choice but responding on the merits. So that's why this is, these aren't just technicalities, they're very important to master. So that's summary judgment. If summary judgment doesn't happen, then you go to a trial. I don't cover trials in civil procedure. Some professors do. The main way that trials are discussed in the civil procedure context is about the jury trial right. So the trial part of civil procedure, to the extent that you cover it at all, is not going to deal with trial practice or trial advocacy. That's its own course you'll take in the later years if you're interested in that. This deals with, well, when do I have a right to a jury and when do I not have a right to a jury? How big does a jury have to be? How do we pick a jury? Jury verdicts, instructing a, a jury, challenging the, the verdict of a jury. Those are things uh, that deal, uh, are covered in the trial part. Then you have post trial motions. And these are places where you can say, uh, we've had this trial. I presented my evidence, the plaintiff presented their evidence in front of the jury, but the plaintiff didn't really prove its case. So I should win. You shouldn't even give it to the jury. That's judgment for as a matter of law. Or the jury comes back with a verdict, and it's ridiculous. The jury says, yeah, the plaintiff was right, but instead of $100,000, we are going to give them a dollar. Well, if the evidence that they accepted shows that the damages are much more, the judge can say, well, that shocks the conscience, to use the language uh, in the case law, a dollar is not an appropriate amount, so I'm going to order a new trial. We're going to have a new trial and start this over. So you can have new trials, uh, you can have relief from judgment. There's all these different post-trial motions that you can lodge after a trial has happened. Then you have an appeal, and everyone should be familiar with the concept of an appeal. All right, now we're done with the trial court. So I want to take this up to the next level, to the circuit court, and raise different errors uh, that, were, uh, uh, that occurred in the trial court and see what happens. You don't go to the appeal to relitigate the facts. The jury has already made its determination on the facts. Couple final issues after appeal. You've got enforcement. Most of us, I don't think, cover enforcement. I don't cover enforcement of judgments in civil procedure. But once you have a judgment, it's not self-executing unless the defendant voluntarily says here. 
But if the defendant is resistant or they, are, they have assets in different places in different jurisdictions that are hard to reach, you're going to have to initiate a new action to try to collect on the judgment. That would be a separate enforcement action. The final topic, which most of us cover, is called preclusion. And preclusion, I alluded to it earlier, and that is the binding effect of a prior judgment on a future case. So let's say in this situation, the defendant doesn't do this. They don't sue the, defend, the plaintiff on a counterclaim for $50,000. Okay, well then the defendant wins, plaintiff loses, plaintiff collects nothing. Now the defendant later wants to come out and say, okay, I'm going to go to court now and I'm going to sue you. So this is case one. And this is case number two. Defendant won in the first case, but sought no affirmative relief, so the defendant does not have to pay this. Well, now I'm going to sue you in state court for $50,000. Can the defendant do that? The answer is no. This is preclusion doctrine. This is claim preclusion, or something that you'll learn is called race judicata. And that means of influence, or if you hang out even in a car group, be open to letting people do a sponsorship rap, right? What is it? How does that work? You wrap my car the color I want, and you can put your logo right here on the back to say where it got wrapped at. They'll do it for free. If they know you are Dave Shams, who's got 100,000 followers, they might say 107,000 followers in, in counting. Uh, uh, so if you're that type of person, they will be willing to give you a free wrap, good quality from a shop, and then put their logo on the back, just with a little cursive or something. And you got a free dope rap on your i8. Do you have a plug that will want to do that? Yes. Um, I could talk. I know plenty of people. Everybody, it's another saturated market that if you you know you keep doing your thing, they'll they'll see you in that saturation. But um, always get oh before we go, always have the car wrap. I ain't got nothing to do. Always had a car wrap, bro. All right, so this is how you set yourself apart in this market full of saturation. Right. If everybody got BMW i8s on Toro, the plain ones, the white one, the black one, the gray color that they got, which is the all i8s, who? Why would they rent yours over theirs if they got lower prices? A uh, rapid one of one color. That's crazy to get everybody attention. I wrap all my cars one on one colors. So when they see my cars in the street, they know it's mine. I don't just put because you can't put like rent to rent me on a tag because people want to act like it's their car. So what can I do to make sure y'all know it's mine? I wrap it, blurple, slime, plum explosion to where you going to see a little white I-8 and they going to see his little regular black I-8. They going to see mine. They going to be like, oh, I'm going with the blurple joint. Mm. So that's how you set yourself apart in that market when it comes to that Toro play because you can get undercut in Toro with a little cheap prices, but. Which one you want? You want you want this one or you want that little plain Jane that's gonna be ten of them in a row? You want that one on one? This is a wrap. Um, like I, like I want to get the Corvette wrap. A Corvette, uh, they're gonna charge you high because you got to take it all the way apart, unless you find a guy who let, who they like you. But it's gonna be like thirty five hundred at least for a Corvette. Yeah, thirty five hundred, forty maybe forty five hundred. 
it's real expensive now. It used to be cheaper to get a car wrapped and painted, but now you can get your whole car painted cheaper than the wrap. Oh, for sure. Because the vinyl wrap is getting more expensive. So I'm about to get my Lambo. Is this purple now? Mm-hmm. I'm about to get it hit. Um, uh, I don't even want to say it on here. But, but why, it's about to be why crazy. Why change it from the purple? Uh, just because it's another purple in the city now. You don't like that. Same plum explosion. I set the trend. But we got to get out of here. <laughs> so I'm about to get this this one-on-one situation. And when How I get- How much is going to charge to wrap that? Uh, They're going to charge me? Yeah. Um, I'm going to pay 2100 for it. Mm. But the, the paper itself costs like 2000 He's just doing it for me for the love because the relationship. But I'm going to bring him 50, 60 cars to get wrapped. So he knows that. So now I can get to play. But mm. the paper, the vinyl itself, the, the expensive vinyl, you know, that chrome, you ever seen like the reflection chrome mm. and the blue yeah. chrome? That, that that's They charging seven racks, eight racks to wrap your joint like that. You feel what I'm saying? So when you see like Brad mm. McLaren. Yeah, Brad goes huh. nuts. Huh. <laughs> 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 eight, nine thousand. Nah, that's a whole nother whip. Right. <laughs> that's like four whips for me. You feel Jeez. me? Nah, for real. If you listen to me, I'm telling you, but it it is one of one. We know Brad McLaren when we see it yeah. in the city. So that's what it's about. So you want to set yours apart and then people will want to book them like that. Gotcha. Um, interiors are good too. Mm-hmm. If you can choose that red guts interior when it comes to a luxury. <laughs> so you you wrap interiors too. No, no, rap, no. But- no, no. No, I mean, if I, I, I got a guy who would do upholstery in the interiors, but that's when you, that's Z, guys. That's not A. Y'all don't want to do no more investing into these right, cars. Right. That's a, expensive, too, and it takes, like, four weeks, so a car got to be sitting gotcha. if they do it right. Gotcha. Like, I'm about to get my Rafe done. Mm. The interior. Hold, hold on. Do you have any questions? Do you have a question? Any questions? For Mitch, yeah, on the podcast. You just got to ask it real loud so we can hear. What's your end game? Uh, I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish in the rental car space. I'm going to be honest with you. I can, I know that for a fact I can get any car I want. And because I initially started it just because I had a high car note and I wanted to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then I scaled it. So I'm done. I, I mean, not done, but I'm going to continue my business. I got my brother. He's running my daily operations now. I got staff like a Clay, like uh, Slim, and I got three other employees. And occasionally I'm about to take four interns in. But anyway, mm. uh, I'm pretty much uh, accomplished everything I want to accomplish in that space. So now I'm about to go private jet swag. So I'm looking for these planes and these hangers. And I'm about Bro, to get if busy. Bro, if I look in the sky and I see a wrapped man that's when i'm going private jet swag and then i got a new goal like to where i just want to help people now so i just want to make a million millionaires i swear i'm gonna i'm gonna get that done you, you know what's so dope though because you didn't you didn't jump in the game a, a, a person will falsely uh, maliciously accuse another person of rape what are some of the motives for that sort of, of behavior? Well, there can be many. Uh, I represented a defendant in Las Vegas who was having an ongoing flirtation with a coworker. Uh, actually, he happened to be the boss. She was his employee. But I had 
witnesses who all testified that they had seen them engage in conduct, you know, flirtation, and that there appeared to be some kind of, you know, sexual tension between the two of them. She was married. At some point in time, they had sex. Thereafter, she complained and said that it was rape. Why would someone make a false allegation? Uh, a married woman might, might feel guilt or shame that she succumbed to, to temptation. And then in order to try to rewrite it, I mean, the mind can, uh, I think it's, it's not uncommon for, you know, the subconscious perhaps to, you feel guilt, you feel shame, so you rewrite the story in your mind. Instead of, uh, I felt uh, some passion, I, I gave in to the passion, I wanted to have sex with him, it was, oh my God, I'm, I'm married, I can't be doing this, wait a second, I didn't choose to do this, he raped me. So I think, and, and this was a case uh, where the jury found my client not guilty because they believed that she was consensually engaging in the sex. Um, and I think she was motivated uh, to fabricate the allegation to try to preserve her marriage thereafter. Um, some, so she, she may have been trying to get attention and sympathy from her husband? That's, that's a possibility. Or, or I mean, I, I suppose also... Uh, uh, it may be a situation where he found out that she had was having an affair and she tried to explain it by saying that she was raped. Uh, or perhaps her own inability to manage her shame and guilt and, and uh, knowing in terms of how she was going to process it, maybe she couldn't keep it to herself or was going to share it with her husband or maybe she was looking for attention from her husband and to make her feel like she had been victimized by someone. I mean, who... You, 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 you can't always know exactly what's going on in someone else's mind. But we do see situations where people will uh, make false allegations. Sometimes it could be that uh, a woman is vying for the attention of a man. Maybe she can't get his full attention. She knows that ultimately she's going to lose out and, and not... Um, succeed in winning his affection or attention so she could do it out of spite mm -hmm. so um you know it's documented it happens i've seen it happen i've seen juries acquit um and from my perspective i would say that rape allegations in particular are, are difficult cases for the prosecution to prove a lot of people are not aware that prostitution is actually illegal in clark county nevada here in Las Vegas. Uh, and so we see a lot of bad consequences that come from engaging in acts of prostitution here, including uh, facing prosecution for solicitation of prostitution. But we also see worse consequences and we see a crime that's commonly referred to as trick rolling. Uh, a trick roll is really just a robbery and it's codified under NRS section 200.380. Uh, a trick roll uh, could involve a situation where a person thinks they're picking up a prostitute. They think that they're bargaining uh, to exchange in some kind of sexual activity, but the person that they're bargaining with actually has another plan in mind. And that might be to lure them into a hotel room where they might plan to rob them, 
to strike them over the head, to physically assault them, and to take their property. We also see trick rolls in the form of grand theft person under NRS section 295.270. And a grand theft person is when you take something from someone without force or fear, it might be in a trick roll scenario that instead of smacking you over the head and knocking you unconscious before taking your Rolex watch, uh, a prostitute could slip a Mickey in your drink uh, and wait till you fall asleep. And then you wake up and you find that your wallet is missing, your cash, your chips, your watch are missing. In that case, without force or fear, it could be charged as a grand theft person. The difference between a robbery and a grand theft person is that a robbery subjects an individual to up to 15 years in the state prison, whereas for a grand theft person, the maximum penalty here in the state of Nevada is five years unless the amount taken was over $3,500, in which case the maximum penalty goes up to 10 years in the state prison. Another circumstance in which police do not need a warrant to search your home is hot pursuit. This typically involves a scenario where police are chasing someone suspected of criminal activity who then runs into your home or place that you own and the police are able to enter without a warrant in order to pursue that suspect. Gabe's in California. I'm curious as to why you condemn the use of credit cards for everyone in every situation. It's kind of like I condemn the use of a cigarette. Cigarettes don't kill everybody that smokes them, but they are good for no one that smokes them. That's why. I'm 37 years old. I make 90000 a year. I'm on Baby Step 6, and my credit score is 815. I have four credit cards, four of which I use regularly, based on which one gives me the best rewards at particular places. I pay the bill in full at least monthly or every card. Why shouldn't responsible individuals such as myself use credit cards? Because you're not. You're delusional. You are more responsible than the average cat. I'll give you that. But 90000 bucks a year doesn't make you rich. And those points, you know, I've met with thousands and thousands of millionaires. I never met a single millionaire. I said, Dave, you know, I made all my money with my airline miles. Dave, I got, I got 1% back on Discover. I mean, let's do the math on that for a minute, okay? You run a $100,000 worth of expenditures through your Discover card. You know what you get? $1,000. You want to explain to me how that's a wealth-building method? That's dumber than a rock. Well, I'm, buying, I'm, I'm spending the money anyway. Yeah, I know, but all of the studies tell us that the lack of friction, the lack of emotional friction, causes you to spend more when you use plastic than when you spend cash. So... Uh, Gabe, you can do whatever you want, but your judgmental butt little email, I can read between the lines, you Pharisee, 
Uh, you go do whatever you want to do, dude. But millions and millions of people have said, I've had enough of credit cards. They have not been a blessing to me. They have been a curse. You spend more when you use them. You spend 12 to 18% more when you use plastic than when you use cash on the typical purchase. If you go to a vending machine, it's a 178% increase in sales for plastic users versus someone that actually puts a dollar into the little dollar eater. When you go into a fast food setting, quick serve restaurants for my friends in the business, a fast food setting. You roll into Mickey D's, you spend an average of 37% more when you use plastic than cash, than cash buyers do. Because when you lay cash up on the counter, you emotionally go, ouch, I just spent money. And something leaves your possession, in return, you get something back, like a hamburger. Have you ever thought about the fact that Rachel Cruz brings this up? When you put your credit card on the counter, they give it back to you and your hamburger. There was no visual trading going on here. If you trade something for something, you recognize that a transaction has occurred. But where you give them something, they give it back to you, and they give you their stuff. No visual transaction has occurred. Now, I know that's primitive, Gabe, and you think you're above these primitive things, but you're not. These are behavior processes. And personal finance is 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. Now, you're probably not going to go bankrupt because you're conservative and you're legalistic and everything else. And you've got your little financial plan figured out. So go do your plan, dude. It's fine. I'm fine if you go do whatever you want to do. But I am 100% sure after having worked with millions and millions and millions and millions of families over the last 30 years, 5 million families have gone through Financial Peace University. We've sold 15 million books. 16 million people listen to this show. Now, what does that say? It says... Credit card's not working. And I think we're going to look back in a decade or so and look at the credit. Remember when you were a kid, any of you old like me? Your kid, everybody smoked. And then they decided it wasn't healthy, so they had smoking sections in restaurants. Remember that? And as if the smoke didn't leave the smoking section and go over to the other section. It was the dumbest thing. They had smoking sections on airplanes. I'm old enough to remember that. And before that, you could just smoke on an airplane. It was like a tube full of smoke with wings. But gradually, society went from the 1950s or 40s with Clark Gable or whoever with a cigarette hanging out of his lip in every movie or Frank Sinatra or whoever with a cigarette hanging out of their lip in every movie because that made you cool. It went to where the cigarette isn't cool anymore. It's just trashy. Because people die from it and it's pretty much nobody likes it anymore. Society has kind of looked up and goes, cigarettes kill you, they're stupid. Why in the world would you smoke? Now, people do still smoke, and if you smoke, I don't care. I'm not mad at you. No more. Nevada has this wonderful statute 
under NRS 454.351 that's commonly referred to as ITS. And what it stands for is possession of drugs not to be introduced into interstate commerce, which sounds really strange. But the beauty of the statute is that just about every offense in Nevada involving narcotics is a felony where you could be looking at state prison. ITS is a misdemeanor. You may face no jail time at all and you can have your record sealed after only two years. Most commonly, negotiations to an ITS involve cases where someone goes to a pool party um, and brings in a small amount of drugs or they're pulled over in their vehicle or otherwise drugs are found on their person. Most commonly, um, these negotiations are offered to defendants with very little criminal record. But the important thing is that if you plead to a misdemeanor ITS instead of a felony prosecution, um, you can avoid the consequences of a felony. You might be able to get your case dismissed if you complete a drug class. Uh, you may have to pay some fines. You may have to do some counseling. The bottom line is, if you've been charged with a felony drug offense in the state of Nevada and you're trying to keep a felony off your record, call us at the Las Vegas Defense Group and we'll see if we can get your charge reduced to a misdemeanor ITS so that you won't have permanent consequences. Thing on the day it happened. Now I showed this photo first as it's only gonna make sense if you see this picture first so you can kinda compare these other photos to this first one. Now, YNW Melly does say that this was a drive-by that happened. And as you can tell from where everyone was sitting, the only ones affected by this was Juvie and Sack Chaser somehow. Borland and Melly ended up coming out of this perfectly fine. I honestly have no idea how that even happened, seeing as some of these pictures, the car looks like it got absolutely trashed, but still, only Bortlin and Melly came out of this without a scratch. And sharing these next pictures, you could basically see all of the angles that the car was hit from. As you could tell, it's very, very real. And if this situation was caught on camera, it probably would be something that would not be allowed to be shown to the public. As you can just tell how serious of an incident this truly was. Something this serious? It's surprising that the court case is not being, you know, shared as much to the public as we would think. The law enforcement is very unsure of what even happened in this situation. They're very unsure about this incident that went down with Melly and Bortland as they actually ended up taking around 40 minutes to get help for their friends apparently. Now apparently when this all went down, 
YNW Melly and YNW Borland, I guess, sat there at the scene for around 30 to 40 minutes or something before taking his two best friends who obviously needed some medical attention as soon as possible to get help. Instead of calling for an ambulance or something along the lines of that, YNW Melly actually decided on driving to the hospital himself for whatever reason. And that is still another reason why they're leaving YNW Melly in lockup as they actually really want to know why he didn't just call for emergency help, as that is what would make the absolute most sense, but he for some reason didn't. And I can understand where YNW Melly is coming from. Honestly, there was a, probably a lot of adrenaline and fear going on in his head, and honestly, I probably would have froze up if I was in his situation as well. So you can't really, you know, go at him for that. And I really do hope we get to see YNW Melly let free very soon. As I do believe it has been time for him to be free or at least be put on house arrest for the time being. He has been sitting in lockup for I don't even know how long now, two to three years, and I think he deserves to at least be on house arrest. If you do think that as well, let me know down below in the comments, and also if you enjoyed the video, leave a like on it. Anyways guys, it has been District Trending, and I'm out. Peace. Nevada treats rape and sexual assault very seriously. Penalties can include up to life in state prison and lifetime sexual registration. But the good news is that here at Las Vegas Defense Group, we've had tremendous success helping people fight these cases. You may be the victim of false allegations or an innocent misunderstanding. You may be wrongfully accused. Unfortunately, this happens all the time. We invite you to call us 24-7 at 702-DEFENSE and tell us your story. We'll see what we can do to get the charges reduced or dismissed. Many defendants also express a great fear of speaking in front of a courtroom. Do they, do they, does it have the same movement for you if they take the time to write out their narrative and their introspection and what they've learned from this process? Or do you only value the allocution statement at sentencing? Um, I've seen it both ways. Uh, I think anybody who stood in front of a federal judge to be sentenced should be nervous, right? I mean, that's, that, that's the proper emotion. Um, so if you're not nervous, there's something wrong. Um, so being nervous and writing it out and reading it can be just as powerful. And I've seen that several times. I had a case the other day where the defendant couldn't read it. She started breaking down. I'm like, would you like me to read it? Yes. Would you like me to read it out loud? Yes. So I read it out loud. Um, I, 
there's some there's some judges that you know can't tolerate a tear in the courtroom. I'm not happen to be one of them. It's not that those are bad judges, but I understand that it's a very emotional process. And so if you need to write it out, great. If you can't write it out, that's great. I even had a woman who she was terrified and nobody, government, prosecutor, probation officer said she could ever really talk in public. And so what they did was part of her allocution was trying to show here's where I've come from. Here's the house I was raised in. This is the miserable place that I still reside. Here are these issues and here's my kids. Um, and they just had her narrate it at the attorney's office. So that, so that that PowerPoint that they sent me on a thumb drive beforehand allowed her that opportunity to talk because she couldn't say more than yes or no to the U.S. attorney, the probation office, or her defense lawyer most times. And so finding a way to address that, whether it's in a written form or standing up and speaking, you know, this is not the presidential state of the union. You don't have to act like it's memorized. I think more important is that it's heartfelt. Have you, does that, that sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that you received a video type of recording. Is that an, a, an appropriate uh, delivery method then for an allocution statement is through video? I think it can be. I, I think it'd be the outlier, a really unique situation. This particular defendant uh, had some issues that, that she was never able to really speak out. And, and that kind of put her in, their argument was that put her in the situation that she was in to be manipulated for the crime that was there. So I think it can be, and I think it, it can be part of an allocution. Um, I, don't, I don't think any of them want to turn this into a 60 minutes program, but for individual, every case should be individualized. And so in an individual case, if there's something somebody wants to show me in the quickest and most effective way is to have a five minute video with it narrated by different people to explain the situation. And they send it to me beforehand. I got a thumb drive on my desk right now for a sentencing tomorrow that I'm going to go back and watch. Uh, and look at the things they want me to, because that's the most effective way for the the defendant to tell their story. Now, obviously, the U.S. attorney is going to get a copy of it too, but it's I'm willing to look at something to to, to allow someone to argue their issue. Can you describe a situation where you went into a hearing a sentencing hearing with one idea of what you were going to impose and received an allocution at the hearing that caused you to reassess either upwards or downwards at the at the hearing itself and so obviously you and i've had this scheduled for a little while so i've been thinking about those precise issues um literally this week uh, I had one where I upwardly varied over what I thought I was going to give when I walked in. Um, I told my staff I was going to give one thing, and, and I ended up giving 
an additional 40 months. It was a, uh, it was a child pornography distribution and production case. And I, I asked a series of questions when we walk in um, about the guidelines, because that's the first thing I'm supposed to calculate. And so I asked the defendant, have you had an opportunity to review the PSR? And he said, yeah. But from the get-go, um, it was a negative impression. You know, so most people understand that federal judges are given an enormous amount Hey, what's up? This your boy, Big Man. You already know what it is, man. So let's get right to it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Fabio Foreign. Now, Fabio, man, it looks like he done ran into some trouble. It looks like he was in New Jersey minding his business and then the long arm of the law caught him. Now, I can't say that he was minding his business because from the story, it sounds pretty crazy. It sounds like Fabio Foreign was getting into it with the law Immediately, like as soon as they stopped him and started talking to him, it seemed like Fabio Foreign was on one. Now, for those of you who haven't figured out yet, Fabio Foreign got arrested. Now, the story is pretty crazy. And before we get to the specifics, do me a favor. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And man, let's get it. Alright, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this Fabio Foreign situation. Mm-mm-mm. So it's looking like Fabio Foreign might be doing a little time right when he was having a little bit of success in the rap game. Now you might be asking me, what do you mean? Now Fabio Foreign is most known for being a collaborator with Pop Smoke, you know, being a collaborator with Drake, being a collaborator with a lot of big names, Nas. Like, he's got some, some joints under his belt, man. And it looked like he was he was on the ups because he just dropped a song called Self Made that was doing relatively well on YouTube, right? Well, Fabio Foreign, I guess he ran into, like, a random traffic stop. or It went from a traffic stop to a uh, jaywalking ticket to a weapons charge, man. So let's get into the story. So Fabio Foreign was in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and it looked like things went all bad when an officer approached him. Now, from the story that's being put out there by several different reports, it went like this. Now, the story starts off like this. It says, A loaded handgun fell from his jacket as rapper Fabio Foreign fought Fort Lee police who nabbed him during a foot chase near the George Washington Bridge, authorities say. Maxi Riles III, who's Fabio Foreign, allegedly left his car running and basically just left it in a no parking zone, all disrespectful, like while he went into a city bank last night around 7.30. Now, this is according to somebody named Captain Ricky Murkovic, and it sounds like, you know, basically Fabio Foreign and folks who have never been to New York and the Northeast like that, Man, people do this all the time. They'll leave their car running in the front of a business that they're going inside and block all the traffic and everything, man. It's like a common thing. And most people wouldn't understand. I know the first time I seen it, I was like, man, you're just going to leave your car all disrespectful like? 
And it looked like Fabio Foreign, according to this report, was on that type of time, right? Now, Sergeant Howard Ginsburg requested that Riles driver's license as he approached the vehicle and asked whether he was getting a ticket. Okay, so basically what they're saying here is Fabio Foreign, after leaving the city bank, was going back to his car, and that's when the officers asked for, for his information, you know, and started, and then Fabio Foreign replied asking if he was going to get a ticket. Now, they're saying that instead of complying, Fabio Foreign simply walked away, and the sergeant stayed with the running vehicle while backup officers uh, tracked down a jaywalking Riles a block away. So they're saying that Fabio Ford, after the, the officer asked him for his license, once he, it was, he was sure that it was Fabio Ford going to that car, he asked him for his license, and Fabio Ford just, you know, brushed him off and walked away. And they're saying that a block away, somebody else, you know, started to come, like backup officers or whatnot. Now, this is where the story gets really interesting. So, they're saying that the officer that came up as backup tried to intercept Fabio Foreign and told him, Hey, man, could you stop? I want to speak to you. And Fabio Foreign just basically kept it pushing, man. He was like, Nah, man, I'm walking. So, he's walking away from his car. He's walking away from the officer who originally asked him for his information when he saw it was his car. And he's walking away from the officers who are trying to intercept him. And he's like, nah, man. So he asked him, the officer allegedly asked him one more time, like, hey, man, could you stop? And he said Fabio Foreign looked at him, ignored him, and continued to walk away and started headed towards this spot called the Modern Luxury Apartments on Park Ave. Now, then they said they tried to grab, well, the way it's written, it says the officer grabbed him in the parking lot and doesn't, it, it's misspelled. He, they're saying the officer tried to grab him in the parking lot. And as they tried to grab him, a loaded uh, 25 caliber handgun fell from Fabio Ford's waistband. And the, officer, and the officer noticed as it was falling and it hit the ground that there was a defaced serial number on the weapon. There's nothing more horrible than the sexual abuse of a child except perhaps for those cases when somebody is falsely accused of it. In this area of the law, more so than in many others, there are many cases of false accusations. Um, there are many cases of innocent people who are being accused of sexual misconduct with a child and arrested and prosecuted and tragically convicted. It is very imperative in a case like this for the defense team, the defense attorney, the defense investigator, to investigate everything about the accuser who's making this allegation. We want to know, first of all, has this child made accusations against other people in the past? And have those accusations proven to be false? We want to know, does this child have a reputation for telling stories and making up lies. We want to know, does this child have behavioral problems? Uh, does this child have a motive, uh, a bias and a motive uh, to make up allegations and stories against this particular adult? We want to pull 
the child's school records. We want to pull the medical records. We want to pull the counseling records. What we find is a portrait of a child who does have a history of lying and who does have a particular motive uh, to fabricate a story against our client. And when that happens, obviously that will cause the uh, prosecution and the police to rethink their case. The police are going to take the child at the child's word uh, and not scrutinize the allegation. Uh, so uh, for this investigation to take place, to uncover favorable evidence that's going to support the person accused, that's really a job of the defense attorney and the defense investigator. Uh, and if they don't do it, nobody will. And, and tragically, uh, the failure to investigate thoroughly these sorts of allegations has led to many people across the country being wrongfully convicted. As in like personal side, I got a sequence I, I learned how to do and go get 15 personal credit cards with only like five inquiries. Mm. <laughs> well, I need an explanation. Huh? But before I, I, I want the explanation on that. But I, I'm, while you're saying this, and like, how does one grow the limits on their credit cards? Right? Because like sometimes, like you can have a credit card, you pay it off, and like you actually have to go in and try to increase it. But sometimes there'll be a, uh, a situation where the company will say, oh, "We've increased it because of your good standing." Is there a strategy to grow it to double it and triple it? So when it comes to growing your credit card, like I tell people is that you want to put everything on them. I'll take like if you're going to work credit cards, take a few of them, like because I teach how to get massive amounts. But if you only have a few, what you want to do is, is put everything. You should never use a debit card. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is the example I tell people. I say, listen, if if you walking down a dark alley with 10,000 in your pocket where they robbing people at. Who money you want in your pocket? Yours or mine? Yours. yours. Exactly. <laughs> so every day you go out and you swipe in your debit card with, with, with your hard-earned money, your hard-earned money versus, and you put it at risk. We all know how fraud and how high it is now, right? So every day when you go out and you're using your debit card and you're putting it online and you're making purchases, you're putting your money at risk. So when you put your money at risk, why would instead of put everything on your debit card, I mean on your credit card, put everything that you spend on a credit card and pay it off, not go buy and buy whatever you want, the money that you would have spent out of your debit. Then you pay your credit card back off. Pay your credit card bill a few days early, two, three days early, but pay your credit card back off. And not only are you leveraging and putting somebody else's money at risk, you also get incentivized for using it. So everything that you spend should automatically run off of an actual credit card. I run everything that I spend off a credit card. And so like that usage increases it? Yeah, okay. yeah. When you when you keep maxing it out, like if you can figure out, depending on what you're doing, like with me, we'll run it as like I, I I specialize with really helping entrepreneurs. Like we all have to learn how to make money 
ourselves? How do we turn our credit to cash? How do we grow our businesses? So if we're going to use and grow a business, I'm going to use my car. So like I max my card out on ads, hmm. right? I know Facebook ads, Facebook ads, things like that. I also built a relationship, man. Y'all got me talking. <laughs> don't worry, no so, one's listening. <laughs> um, I built a relationship. I built a relationship um, with a guy at a watch store, and he would resell watches, right? So he had the the opportunity. He was like, "Yo, you know, it only take me about seven or fourteen days to resell a watch." People come in all the time, trade it in. You know you get hit when you go to trade the watch in. So they're not going to give you full value. Well, he says, listen, if we buy it the same night, I can get it for what they paid before my store puts it online and puts it in the system. We can buy it for the same price. So what we would do is literally, I, I gave him, I let him hold one of my Platinums. He would buy the watch when it came in that night resell it because for the the value of it he already was the known for selling watches he resell it for the value i'm getting credit on my credit card for <laughs> how much the watch costs we started with twelve thousand. we didn't did sixty thousand. we didn't did 14s 24s and literally built it out maxing the card out now my credit card on on, on like that platinum i got is two hundred thousand dollar limit Whew. But it's just information and being able to seize the opportunity. And, you know, that was one of the things we had a good relationship and trust coming to play. That ain't something you can, people can duplicate. So yeah. I don't really speak on that a lot because yeah. that's not something you can duplicate. But it's just things that happen. Just knowing. So, yeah, just knowing. So, how, yeah. so, so now let's just go back a little bit. So how do we acquire the multiple cards without having so many inquiries? Because that's, I mean, I, I do anything and it's like, You've got an alert. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah. Is that, um, man, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. But, uh, look, we here. Um, man, it's really for the coach. <laughs> hey, listen. I'm going to tell you, listen, I ain't going to be telling people, right? Yo, so, but no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Yo, this, is the, this is one of the greatest of all. Yeah. So what we do is that we got to understand, right? I'm going to break it down to y'all. Is that we got to understand that banks have rules, right? I remember going to people. I'm not, I'm not going to hold you. I remember going and I was, I was in credit and I was getting good. And I'm going to try to figure out how they do funding. Because I'm like, yo, I don't believe in no man fishing for me, right? You're not going to go in. And, and fish for me. I want to learn. Montreal Danelle Williams Jr., better known by his stage name Pooh Shiesty, is a rapper from Memphis, Tennessee. Even though he's only been making music since 2017, he's one of the hottest up and coming artists in hip hop. He's racked up millions of streams on tracks like 762 God and Back in Blood featuring Lil Dirt. He signed the Gucci Mane 1017 label in April 2020 and is in a good position to be one of the next big stars out of the South. However, like many promising young rappers, just as Pooh career was getting off the ground, he was arrested in connection with the shooting that could potentially put his career and freedom in jeopardy. The shooting took place in Bay Harbor, Florida on October 13, 2020. No one was killed 
but two victims sustained gunshot wounds. Pushaisi and his associates were arrested and charged with armed robbery, aggravated assault, battery, and criminal theft. The case is still ongoing and the full story is yet to be revealed, but there is surveillance footage of the shooting that has been released to the public. Let's take a look back at Pushaisi's criminal history and his career up to this point. Pushaisi was born in Memphis, Tennessee on November 8, 1999. Compared to many rappers, he had a fairly stable childhood with both his parents in the picture. However, his father, Lontrell Williams Sr., was a rapper who went by the name Mob Boss and was the founder of a Memphis-based record label called Mob Ties Records. Both Pooh Shiesty and his father grew up in South Memphis and were involved in the streets from an early age. In 2004, Montrell Sr. was charged as an accomplice in the murder of a radio DJ who was found dead in her apartment. He wasn't the one who committed the murder, but he was somehow involved. In an interview with Fuchsia's TV, the rapper claimed his father was always in his life, except when he was locked up. What about your, your pops and shit? Was your pops around? Yeah, most definitely. Pops been around from the start, unless he was locked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the only time he went around. On the track Monday to Sunday featuring Lil Baby and Big 30, who shiesty raps, his Gladys raised a savage that shit I shoot like my daddy, referencing his father's criminal past. The cover art for his track Day One also features a picture of the young rapper with his father dressed as old school Chicago gangsters, machine guns and all that. Although the guns are probably just props and the outfits just costumes, it shows the kind of father-son relationship they had. Fans and journalists have covered an old photo of Pushaisi wearing an ankle monitor at only 11 years old. The rapper has been quiet about exactly what he was charged with at such a young age, but whatever it was, it was enough to get him expelled from school and sent to an alternative school. At age 16, the rapper left Memphis and relocated with his mother to Pflugerville, Texas, but he returned to Memphis two years later, which is when he started rapping. He and his childhood friend Big 30 started releasing music in 2017, but it wasn't until he dropped his breakout hit, Shiesty Summer, that things started to heat up for Pooh Shiesty. His song At It Again was remixed by Moneybag Yo in March 2020, and he caught the eye of Gucci Mane not long after. He signed to 1017 Records in April 2020, and the two collaborated on the track Still Remember in June 2020. The duo reunited on Who Is Him, for the 1017 compilation album So Icy Summer, which was released on July 3rd, 2020. He continued this impressive streak of hits by releasing the track Back in Blood with Lil Durk in November 2020, which became his most streamed song to date with just under 30 million plays on Spotify. But just a few weeks before this track dropped, Pushaisi found himself in some serious legal trouble. Video surveillance footage released by a Miami news station allegedly shows Pooh Shiesty involved in a shootout that occurred in broad daylight in a parking lot in Bay Harbor Islands, Florida. The footage shows a green McLaren, a Mercedes Maybach, and another Mercedes enter the parking lot and pull over. A group of men gets out of each of the cars, and at first, things appear to be calm, but all of a sudden, guns are drawn and shots start going off. It's not entirely clear what set off the mayhem, but one man with a pistol and another with a Draco start firing shots. 
the camera clearly shows a man in a white t-shirt get shot in the ass and start limping away. He hides behind the vehicle and he'll be seen inspecting the wound while the others hop back in the car and flee the scene. The footage is pretty clear because the camera is pointed right back at the crew and the shooting happened in the middle of the day in a well-lit area. But it's tough to make out the identities of the men involved. Allegedly, who shites in the green McLaren? But it's not clear if he was one of the shooters or if it were other members of his crew. The incident has fans puzzled because at first, everything seems cool. Within seconds, it turns to gunfire. The footage shows a McLaren sports car, Mercedes Maybach and another Mercedes pull into this East Bay Harbor Drive condo parking lot. Men from the vehicles eventually get out and meet, and then this. The man in the white shirt has a pistol. The man in the black sweatshirt has a longer gun. And at about the same time, they begin firing before retreating back to the Maybach. The fancy getaway cars speed off, and one of two victims then hobbles to the car. Rumors are circulating that it's a drug deal or sneaker deal gone wrong. The victims drove themselves to urgent care in Miami after the shooting. One had to undergo surgery. However, they have both made a full recovery. One of the victims told police that they were there to sell Shiesty a pair of Air Jordan 4s. Don't come over here. Don't come. No, I'm coming. I'm coming. I mean, you were there for me. You were on your knees for me. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. I don't care what they say. I'm the president of the United States. <laughs> I go where I want to go. Oh, man. Free my grandma. What's up? It's a hell of a handle there. Free my grandma. It's going to come out. It's going to come out and tell out. They, they're so afraid of Trump. They're not going to put anything like really heavy out until he die. After he die, man, it's going to open up. It's going to be all kind of stuff going on. Yeah, man. Oh, man. It's going to be. Oh, man. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Carol Sessoms. What's up, Carol? Appreciate you. T. Hill in the building.
Larry Banks. Imagine Rudy Giuliani, you know, after, you know, after seeing him with that little incident where he was blowing his nose and wiping his stuff and touching his mouth and all that. Imagine him. Imagine going over his house for dinner. Imagine how he do, how nasty he is. How he would probably be picking all in the pots and eating you know, tasting the food, double dipping and all that stuff. And, oh, man. Ooh. Wouldn't go nowhere near that dude. Just look nasty. Is Bushy, yes, absolutely. R.I.P. David Dinkins, former mayor of New York City. Already. Neil forever shine. Sup, Neil. Christy Black. So, fam, at uh, seven o'clock. I'm going to turn this thing all the way up on the second topic. I'm going to turn it all the way up on the Willie D Live channel. We're going to talk about this, this guy who was stopped by the police and this white dude stopped by the police, threatened to shoot the police twice after they threatened to stick the dog on him. He's doing a lot of fidgeting, all, all he's moving his hands, pulling his pull, jerked his hand away from the police, touched his gun. And then eventually he drove off. They gave chase. What up, though? This your boy, D.O.C. 
and as promised, if more information was to come out in the Mo3 investigation, I will keep you guys updated. But Northern Texas man indicted in highway killing of Dallas rapper Mo3. Now, if you don't know, Mo3 real name is Melvin A. Noble. He was gunned down in the middle of the day on Interstate E35 near the Dallas Zoo. Now, let's get straight to business. Now, the man that's accused... Kiwan Dontrell White, which is 22 years old, is the man accused of killing Dallas rapper known as Mo3. He was just indicted on this murder charge this week. Dallas County Grand Juries indicted Kiwan White in the November shooting death of rapper whose legal name is Melvin Noble. Now keep in mind, when I make these videos, I'm not giving my opinion on the situation. I'm giving you the details either from the attorney generals or from the news stations that's reporting the news that's getting it directly from the authorities in that particular city. Now the article continues to say Noble 28 was gunned down in the middle of the day on Interstate 35 in Oak Cliff near the Dallas Zoo. The killing sparked a manhunt and prompted police to sound an alarm on the city's spike in homicides. White was arrested nearly three weeks after the shooting. He is in federal custody on a federal charge of possessing a firearm in violation of his previous felony conviction. He is scheduled to stand trial in federal court in April and faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted. Now, if convicted of the murder, White could be sentenced to as much as life in prison with the possibility of parole. Now, the Dallas authorities have said Noble pulled over on the road and tried to flee his car, but the driver of another car also stopped and chased him with a rifle. The other driver shot Noble several times before driving north on the interstate. Images provide the Dallas police show the shooter wore a ski mask. Now, Dontrell White's lawyer in the state court, George Asper, said he hasn't been able to speak with his client since he's in federal custody. Now, Bree West is his lawyer for its federal charge, and based on this report, she was not able to be reached for any questions or answer. Now, as of right now, this is the latest update on Kiwan White has actually been indicted. Now, for those that don't know what an indictment is, an indictment is a formal accusation based upon available evidence that a person has committed a serious crime. If there's enough evidence to prove that the person has committed the crime, then they will be indicted. And to wrap this up, just for people that may not understand, actually what an indictment is. The Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution requires the federal government to seek an indictment from a grand jury in order to prosecute someone for a felony or otherwise infamous or serious crime. Since an indictment comes after a grand jury, but typically before an arrest, it may be sealed. However, much time is needed to prevent the defendant or other suspects from fleeing, destroying evidence, or otherwise evading justice. Now, if any more information comes out on this particular case, be sure to keep you guys updated. Make sure you like and subscribe and drop a comment. And be sure to turn on the notification bell so you'll be one of the first to get the updates. Peace. And go move their stuff. Bring it back to you. They make them pay a deposit. They run it real nice. You can leave it at Home Depot. I leave mine at Home Depot in a parking lot. 
Yo, you know what? You know, some people they'll spend you know a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars on a, on an investment property that's not going to give you three fifty a week. No, it's not. But you can buy a two, three thousand dollar car. Turn them cars into real estate, baby. Better than real estate. And I was just telling, I was like, I ain't gonna lie. Do you ever get an economy car and sit on it and nobody wants it? Haven't. I mean, I, I like, like a lot of my mentees used to ask me, like, what's the best car to get? I'd be like, all of them gonna go. You just wanna do the, when it comes to economies, you wanna do the ones that never really break down. Like? Like Toyotas. Come on, when you seen a Toyota broke down on the side yeah. of the street? Come on, bro, them things last forever. Especially a Prius. And they good on gas. You fill it up with twenty dollars, that thing get you all week. You know what I mean? So, I just look for Toyota Priuses. Man, it's just super Hyundai Sonatas, man. Because it's I just put it on my insurance, go ahead and drive it. Something happens. You don't, you don't care. Don't you can care, care less. You know what I mean? And then you can. I still put full coverage on all of mine, just to take a little baby check that I'm gonna get. Mm. But it don't matter to me because I already know. I know, like if it, if in the rare occasion that it before I make my money back. It crashes something like that, which it doesn't. But if it were to, it's not a big deal. I only spent two thousand. Like for, I'm not saying just you have two thousand for. I'm talking about I use my finance cars yeah. to get me up to where I was making enough money to go and buy cars cash, and then I did it. I did it over and over and over to where I got so many economy cars. They're gonna keep going and going and going. Now, when they happen to do break down or something like that, I get them fixed, and then I keep them going. And if I if they done for. I already made my money back times tw- 10 already. Yeah. And it's not a big deal to me. So I just, you know, sell it to the scrap cars. Get money off from the scrap people. Sell it mm. to them, then go get another one. Like, it's not even a big deal because there's so many of those cars. Y'all got to understand that they make a, a, a new model of every car every single year. Y'all know how many cars out here? Y'all know how many people go get something on uh, Labor Day, on a Labor Day sales, and they can't handle it no more. They want to give it away. Mm-hmm. Let me give y'all a couple games. Let me give y'all a couple games before we get out for this thing. So you talking joint ventures. You got people that can't handle their card notes no more. You know a way to make money with it. You take over that payment. You get the money with it. Or you can offer your people who don't know how to make money for themselves. Give them money every month to use their credit. Get a finance car. So you're helping them in two ways. You're getting yourself money and you're helping your people who don't know how to make money and giving them solid money. That's a joint venture. Learn how to solve problems. If you start learn how to solve problems in this game, you will never be broke because it's so many people that need cars for stuff, different reasons. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll be getting slingshots. You'll be like, damn, why would I need a slingshot? Because you can drive it for yourself and then you can make money on it hourly. Mm. What, don't run out a, a slingshot for the day. Run it out by the hour. 100 an hour going to make you a killing. Get three of them. They're going to get them three at the same time, I promise you. It's so many plays. It's like, get you trucks, use fetch truck. You know how many people need trucks for moving? If you're that guy who just give it to them, look, I don't care if you beat it up a little bit. Now you're damn about this truck. Move your stuff. These dudes gonna rent them every damn day. <laughs> Y'all know how good these trucks, I'll be like, yo, I'll be so surprised. I'll be like, I was like, yeah, just, you can, you can ding it up a little bit. I'm not gonna make you pay if you ding up the back. Or, uh, they'd be like, bro, I'm taking us to work every day. Y'all know how much money I make off these trucks, man. Come on, man. Don't stop. Don't get me started. So solve problems, baby. And then you'll you'll go a long way. Help your people. Do your joint venture method. Mm-hmm. Broker deals with other people who who are in the rental car space. Maybe they might not be as good as you in marketing. Maybe they might not have the platform that a Dave Sham has. He could say, look, I got my rental cars going out for 100 a day. Who need that? You feel what I'm saying? Or maybe they can't. They don't have that influence. So 
if you do have it, you can help them out, give them a minimum daily payment that they'll make, a minimum that they'll make every day when a car goes out, and then charge your fee on top. You know you got that clout. Go ahead and use it. Solve mm. these problems. If, if they, you know you're the go-to guy, be that go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Be able to just do good business, though. Have integrity and be consistent. If you be consistent in any business, they'll never forget you. So every time they come in town, they're going to send all their cousins to you. They're going to send themselves to you, and they're going to make sure that they rent with you because you were consistent and you do good business. If you do that, I, that's why I never worry about having customers because they come into they dying for me. They hit my Google page. They hit my 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 Instagram. Mm. They hit my business Instagram. They hit in, uh, my Toro, <laughs> my hire car. So I got them coming from all streams. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. And clearly word of mouth is passing around as well because I do good business. And I think of myself as a friendly guy. And I, somewhere where somebody will want to come and feel mm. comfortable getting the car, they know I'm not going to trick them and charge them extra fees. I'm only going to charge you for what you do. I'm not going to charge you for what I want. I'm not going to say... Oh, I've been had to scratch. Let me get them. No, no. Right. We're gonna be detailed on every time, and I'm gonna make sure everybody's happy. That's why I want. That's all I care. Everybody needs to be happy. I love it, bitch. I appreciate you, my brother. Yep. Um, this was just a, a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm really probably gonna go get an I eight tomorrow. It's gonna be so dope. We're gonna pull up back to back. Once you do that, I was like, look, how much is the rap? Because you gotta wrap it. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So. Get a good rap guy. And let me tell you another trick on the raps. Go to these. If you got, or if you are like a person. Okay. So your total credit, 1,000, 1,500, 1,800. What if you put a $25,000 credit trade line on your credit report? An authorized user trade line. 25,000. The debt stays the same. And all you're doing is now adding in 25000 more. So now instead of three accounts, you have four accounts, right? So now you would have a three hundred, a five hundred, a $1,000, and a $25,000 authorized user account. So the debt doesn't change, right? So I don't know where your debt would be on these, right? I don't know what your utilization is. But for example, if you put $25,000 credit limit, now... You have to add the twenty-five thousand to thousand, or twenty-six thousand, twenty-six thousand five hundred, twenty-six thousand eight hundred, and then twenty-six thousand eight hundred combined total credit limit divided by how much utilization you have. And I guarantee you, if you did that, and that was the scenario that we were looking at, your score would climb through the roof. Because you're adding in $25,000 of new credit onto your credit report. This is called an authorized user. And what that means is you're piggybacking off of somebody with excellent credit. Somebody with more than likely that has over a 780 credit score who's willing to share their credit with you. Whether it's a family member, a friend, or whether that is using our VIP vendor who has been vetted and screened and checked out to make sure that their their utilization is low. They'd never miss any late payments because it's a copy-paste. They're willing to share their credit and say, you know what, I'm willing to add you onto my credit card. And what's going to happen is that $25,000 credit limit will then report to your credit report as if it was you. And what happens is your score just freaking just goes nutso. And literally just, it starts raising like crazy because you're lowering utilization and you're adding on another positive account.
Okay. Tip number four, and this again is about a trade line. Understand this age trumps credit limit. So in a case where you have low utilization, you're like, you know what? I got low utilization, so I don't need a really high credit limit. I want to always tell you this. The age of the account will trump the credit limit. Give you an example. I would rather have a $3,000, $4,000 credit limit with 15 years rather than a $20,000 credit limit with a year old. I would take the 3,000 with 15 years of history, hands down over a $50,000 credit limit with less than a year. Why? And this is the biggest misconception. People, oh, I want a 50K credit card. Age trumps credit limit. Because when lenders are looking at your credit, especially when we're talking about FICO, you better have aged accounts on there. Okay, so now age, I don't recommend anything under two years because they can look back two years. Okay, and if they look back two years and they see something that just got put on that's a six month old, it's not going to work. Okay, so any trade lines have to be over two years. All right, but think about it like this as a lender. They want to make sure that you've been making payments. How good does this look like if you had a $5,000 credit limit with 15 years of perfect payment history? So maybe you went through a bankruptcy and you're like, you know what? I, I need to start over. I got a clean slate, but you know, I don't know what to do. Well, the way that I went through it, the old school way was I got a secured credit card, then I went to the next card, and then I got my next card, and my next, right? That's the old school way. Today, people know smart, they're smarter than that, right? And that's why I want to bring it to you, to give you the insight to save you years of time. You could either literally do it like I did back in 2013, which is get a secured credit card, then hopefully get your Capital One, right? Everybody knows, go to Capital One Platinum, go there, and then you go to your Discover IT card after that post and make three to four payments there. Then you can start building it up, and it takes a while. Or you can add an age trade line or two to your credit report because maybe you just went through credit repair and you got a clean slate. Maybe you went through a bankruptcy and you've got, you're like, I don't want to do the whole secured card route. I just want to get started right away. Literally, this is a process that could take literally under t- like 60 days. You could put a couple trade lines on in under 60 days, you're starting to get big boy credit cards instead of having to wait and do the secured card $200 credit limit. And then the capital one that's going to give you maybe three to 400 bucks. And then maybe the discover it card that might give you 800 to a thousand. Then that process takes about, you know, eight to nine months. Maybe, maybe a little longer, depending on how good you are. Or you can put a few trade lines on and start the process. Yes, I signed those documents, blah, blah, blah. They don't actually charge him for anything. What ends up happening is a few months later, he fails a urine test, several urine tests, and they pull his probation and he goes back to jail for 30 months on a probation violation. But he probably wouldn't have gotten the 30 months 
did they not already know he was involved in another scam? Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. I can't say, oh, it was just a probation violation because they knew he had he was involved in another in a in a scam. So they hit him pretty hard for for a, a dirty urine. So those two people are the only people that ended up going to trial. Everybody else are going to prison. Everyone else um, had basically um, skated. They were never, never grabbed, never indicted, or they were indicted, but they were never prosecuted. Some utilization, so as long as you have one penny on there and less than 9%, you'll be maximizing this benefit. Now, I understand this is an ideal situation, but not everyone can pay down their credit cards to 9%. Maybe you have to carry a balance. Maybe you're coming out of debt and trying to repair your credit at the same time, and you can't afford to have perfect 9% or less utilization. Well, I should mention that paying down your credit card any amount by this statement date will have a dramatic impact on your credit score. For instance, from my own research, I found that that 62 point increase that I saw, it was just from one of my credit cards that I had previously at 100% utilization, which I now brought down to 50% utilization. And that explains the huge credit score increase that I saw even though I wasn't maximizing it and bringing it down to a full 9% or less that I should have, any payment would have helped my credit score and it definitely did. And again, I'm doing this for experimental purposes only. If you wanna be around for that video where I show you how I tanked my credit score and then completely recovered it again, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you hit the bell notification so you don't miss that video when it comes out. And I just want to clarify, had I actually paid this credit card down under 9% utilization, I definitely would have seen a 100-point increase, likely more, from just this one single credit card being paid down correctly. And I personally have seen this happen with someone who raised their credit score well over 100 points just by paying their credit card down on that statement date, and then less than a week later, that balance was reported to the credit bureaus and their credit score jumped up, reflecting that positive change to their credit. But if you do have multiple credit cards that are at a high utilization rate, this at most is only gonna take you 30 days because within that 30 days, you'll cycle through all of the statement dates with all of the credit cards and showing a proper utilization will have a huge impact on your credit score within that 30 days. And that's just to reiterate, you don't have to wait months to improve your credit score. All of this can happen in less than a single month just by knowing the statement dates, paying the credit cards down before that statement date, and then waiting a couple days for that statement balance to be reported to the credit bureaus and then having a huge credit boosting effect. But thanks so much for watching the video, guys. If you liked it, I would appreciate if you could hit the like button because it helps me out with the YouTube algorithm. But then also, if you're not yet subscribed, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit the bell notification so you don't miss the video where I intentionally tanked my credit score and brought it back up and I'm gonna share the strategies that worked and more importantly, the strategies that definitely didn't work in trying to raise my credit score and what I found from my research in paying down my credit cards 
in certain amounts on certain dates over a certain period of time. Tons of technical stuff, tons of effort went into that video. So I'm really excited to share it with you guys. But again, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. But thanks so much. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you guys in that next one.